You're listening to InRay from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of InRay features insights from experts across the world into the most complex issues facing legal and compliance professionals today. Welcome to the InRay Negotiation Podcast. I'm Christine Soon. I'm Nadia Alexander. We are your hosts for today. In the last sessions, in the last episode, we discussed about what is a good outcome, what a good negotiated outcome looks like. So good negotiated outcomes equals to substance, which balance with good relationship and the with the fair negotiation process. And in these sessions, we will talk to you about how do you prepare for a good negotiated outcome. Nadia, let me turn your negotiation coach mode on. What is the first step for negotiation? Well, I think it's really to ask the question, what is this really about and who's involved? And I know that they are two questions, but I ask these questions together because people often talk more freely about who's involved when they're unpacking a story, the story about what really happened or what it's really about. Okay, I pause you there, Nadia. So let's first talk about who. Mm. So often in a commercial setting, we think about those who have legal standing, right? Potential plaintiff, potential defendant. But there's more than that, right? Who is involved in the backstory, if you like, in the in the larger story, in the underlying conflict? Um, we call these technically their third parties, but they're just as involved. And often these third parties who are involved in the underlying conflict have an interest in the negotiation, have an interest in the outcome either in supporting a particular outcome or in interfering or blocking a particular outcome. So let me give you a a simple example um, from a family situation. So mum and dad uh, have children, mum and dad get divorced. Um, The children are living with mum and mum, let's say, has a new partner. So the parties who have legal standing in this dispute are mum and dad. Yeah. But someone who has a real interest, apart from the children, of course, but someone who has a real interest in this negotiation and its outcome and how it is implemented, for example, in relation to access to the children, is the new partner. That's right. Yeah. So it's important that this technically third party be consulted. He doesn't necessarily have to be at the negotiation table, right? But you might take his interest into account. For example, if he and dad don't get on well, it might be well. Uh, let's think about arranging access when new partner is in home, for example. That's an example of of how, a simple example, if you like, of how third parties can be influential in how an agreement is implemented. That's true. Actually, I totally agree with you on, in that. And especially, let's say we put this into a commercial dispute context, it's very often we need to consider whether there's a third party to disputes. So take, for example, for a car, two parties that are in the midst of a commercial dispute, uh, of a, let's say, um, joint venture disputes, for example. But on one party, they might have under, under M&A deal. Okay. So exactly. they might have a new, partner or maybe a new shareholders to come uh, to join that company. So the party who has part of the dispute now need to consider the what's the interest of the new shareholders? What does the new partner want out of this dispute? Like the claims amount maybe or what they want to get out of the settlement, right? So now we know about what is who, right? The next is about what. So can you elaborate more about that? What? Mm. So when I ask what's it really about, I'm really trying to get at from each 
party that I might be sort of uh, working with in a negotiation, what's important to them? What are their priorities? What are their interests? And as we mentioned last time, it's, you know, they can be not just legal interests or legal claims, but commercial interests, personal interests, financial interests, political interests, right? Yes. I recall this from our first episode. That's about substance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so it's important to figure out what are your priorities as a negotiator, but also to put yourself in as distasteful as it might be in the position of the other party, right, or other parties and say, what are their interests? That's right. This reminds me what we do for our client all the time. We do intelligence gathering to help our clients to understand the current status of the counterparty. So we focus on understanding why the counterparty in acting that specific manner or specific way and why this giving rise to a to the this potential disputes. Um, for example, you might want we want to check. Some clients would like to know about the financial status of the counterparty. Mm-hmm. Are they able to pay the claims? And also, this what's the recent update and the development in the company? Company, is there any change in the management? Mm-hmm. Any changes in the political risk of, of uh, where the uh, company is operating that actually give a significant impact to the particular disputes? Okay, so that's why um, we always help the clients to look into that matter. Of course, we also help the client not just look from their perspective. Sometimes we look from the counterparty's perspective as well. So we try to identify what is the interest of the other party and also what are the interests of the third party and what a good economic outcome would look like. A good economic outcome from the company's perspective or client's perspective and also the counterparty's perspective. And we try to build a get, uh, a bridge between uh, our client and the counterparty and see whether they actually can bridge the gaps. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, if you can make it easy for the other side to say yes, then you should do whatever you can to make that happen, right? Don't put obstacles in their place. Build that bridge, as you say, Christine, and make it easy for them to walk over it towards you. That's right. Yeah. So that's the first one. How Hmm. about the second one? I think it's important to get a sense of What's the story, not just of the dispute, but the story of what's happened since the dispute erupted, the story of the negotiations, if you like. What happened after the dispute was articulated in whatever way it was? Um, Have the parties tried to settle? Has somebody picked up the phone? Have they met? Have they tried to negotiate? Um, You know, have the lawyers exchanged letters? And how, you know, what was their relationship like immediately prior to the dispute? And what's it been like since I think, you know, this is really important information about, you know, how you're going to d- develop your negotiation strategy. Um, and that uh, that's a very important piece of. Yeah. Of so that is the story part. So contraries can help him to come out to understand what is the background stories. So especially in the long disputes, like the in first episode, the one that you talk about, the IP dispute, the, the IP dispute lasted for 10 years. People come and go from the company and sometimes they change in management, people retire. So sometimes uh, they're unable to identify one single person that can tell them the, uh, the story, like how they entered uh, into that agreement in the first place and then what happened in the midst of that agreement and how come they will enter into that dispute. So contraries plays a, um, can help the clients um, in resolving that matter. So sometimes you go through, through interviews, we try to establish the facts to identify what happened, revisit the relationship that they had last time 
then to maybe look through all the correspondence as well as the documents to see the historical documents to to establish the facts. And then if let's say they can identify the issue early, then that is also means an opportunity to for the parties to resolve the matter early, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And and in most cases, um, the earlier you can sit down in a prepared and structured way, um, the better it is and the more likely your chances of achieving a settlement. And I mean, so far we've been talking about how to make, you know, good informed decisions and, and, and what's needed to prepare for that. But it's equally important to think about what might happen outside the negotiation if there is no settlement reached. Yes, correct. That's about the alternative to settlement, right? So what is going to be the cause for not settling? Is it just um, the legal fee? Actually, I think it goes beyond the legal fee. Okay, so you might want to consider what um, what is the likely outcome if you do not settle? So what will happen? Maybe like loss of opportunity? Mm-hmm. Reputation risk, yes. uh, costs associated with staff involved in managing the dispute, the costs of sometimes staff absenteeism, staff morale, if it's really affecting the business. I mean, there are enormous, there have been books, volumes written about the costs of conflict that go well, well beyond the yes. legal costs in a dispute. Yeah, and the management time spending on mm. The negotiations and in the disputes as well. Okay. So I think, you know, once you understand what's the cost of this conflict and, and if I don't settle, what, what am I walking away to? And once you've got that quantified in some way, it's much easier to make a choice about, well, will I accept this offer on the table or not? Because I'm pretty clear about what I'm walking away to. Yes. But it also made me think that oh, um, it's not just about settlement. Sometimes it's also identifying opportunity in your negotiations, right? So there are a lot of mm-hmm. settlements. It's not just about the claims, historical claims. So about to be forward-looking to identify the future opportunities. So we have worked with clients to doing like data analytics to understand that what was the historical sales? Can they actually consider to generate the similar amount of sales in the future with mm-hmm. this counterparty? Mm-hmm. So is it worthwhile to negotiate, to to settle? Yeah. And I mean, there are opportunities that negotiations offer that typically an arbitration or litigation cannot offer, these opportunities to to creatively renegotiate. And that brings us also back to a point that we discussed last time, which is relationship. Mm. If you don't have a, a basically good working relationship, you will often miss out on these type of opportunities. Yes, very often, even you can get the outcome, like what you said, mm-hmm. you may not have the good relationship. No one could pick out a call. No one wants to implement or enforce the award. That's also another problem, right? Implementation. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so we have talked about uh, the preparations and then about who and what. But I think I have one thing to check with you as well. We agree that actually not all the parties need to be at the negotiation table. Do you agree with me? Well, let me let me share a story with you. Many years ago, I worked with the CEO of a multinational corporation, and uh, he told me that once they had done their preparation, which, believe me, was thorough, uh, he would send his team off. He was based in Europe, and he would send his team off to New York or wherever they were going, and he would stay in the home office because he said, I don't need to be at the negotiation table. For me, the most important part is the preparation. And I know every single thing that might happen in that negotiation room. And should there be something that's unexpected, I know I'll get a call. Yeah, a phone call over here, right? So it looks like um, not everyone needs to be at the negotiation table. 
But actually, what most important is to identify who is involved, okay? And then the person who was involved was consulted before, mm-hmm. and then you identify what was the story behind it. And the person at the negotiation table must be able to make the decisions. As long as you prepare sufficiently, and then that person may not need to be at the negotiation table, right? So it sounds like preparation. Um, it's the key to the successful negotiations and foundation of a good outcome. You must give thought on who and what. In the next episode, we will talk about how to get the parties to the negotiation tables. You can do all the preparation you want, but how do you get them to sit together and talk to you, right? Right. And before we go, Christine, I'd like to invite all of the listeners to share your dispute resolution experiences with us through the CIDRA survey. It's a survey conducted by the Singapore International Dispute Resolution Academy, and we want to hear about your experiences with negotiation, mediation, arbitration, uh, litigation for cross-border commercial disputes. You can find the survey in the next Control Risk Legal and Compliance Insights newsletter. To find out more on how we assist clients in every stage of dispute, you can visit our website or download our dispute advisory brochure on this podcast channel. Thank you. See you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and be sure to check out our other podcasts as well such as Decrypt, the podcast making sense of the cyber and technology issues impacting business. For all our analysis and information about services we offer to organizations worldwide, visit controlrisks.com.